Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Today, we're going to be hearing from someone who's just written a book. This is the sequel to a book that started a movement in the business world. And this book that we're going to be talking about today will undoubtedly have a significant impact as well. Now, before we get into the interview, I want to make sure that I remind you about the Faith to Marketplace Leadership Summit. If you are a leader, you should have foundational beliefs. If you are a Christian leader, your faith should be the foundation of your leadership. I invite you to check out Faith to marketplace.com to sign up for this free live summit starting Monday, September 21st. If you're hearing this afterward, feel free to go ahead and join in because replays will be available. Now, we're going to get to a little bit more about our guest in just a second, but first... Do you want to accelerate your leadership success? There's a way you can do that for free, and it's called the MindScan. This assessment is an inventory based on the Nobel-nominated Hartman Value Profile, and it measures your capacity to make value judgments concerning you and the world around you. Instead of simply understanding how you behave, it objectively measures why you behave the way you do. Align your thinking strengths with your leadership goals by applying to take the MindScan today. All you need to do is apply by emailing community at lifeasleadership.com. You'll get a unique link and the opportunity to review your results. Both the assessment and review call are totally free. If you want to understand the how and why of your decision making, in order to more quickly get the results you want, the mind scan can be your next step to success. Once again, community at lifeasleadership.com. Now, on to today's interview. Our guest today is a visionary writer and business futurist. He's an award-winning journalist and writer, popular speaker, and sought-after teacher, advisor, and consultant. Along with Steve McIntosh and John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, he's just released a new book called Conscious Leadership, Elevating Humanity Through Business. He's co-founder of the Institute for Cultural Evolution and hosts the Thinking Ahead podcast. Here is Carter Phipps. Carter, welcome to the podcast. Great to be on the podcast, Joshua. Thanks for having me. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Sure. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Well, there's there's so many. I think uh, I think one of the lessons in the book, which is just resonates so closely to my own heart, and in fact... It was so important. It's actually the last chapter in the book, which is continuously learn and grow. And I feel like I've had about three or four different careers and I've done a lot of different things. And, uh, and I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of different areas of, and, and have tried to make myself an expert in many different areas. And I think a lot of people have done that these days. Today, it's not, you know, you just, you, you work at one company and you have one career most of your life. We're all having to learn and grow 
and change and develop. And that's the way the world is today. That's the way culture is today. And that's certainly the way business is today. So I think that need to continuously learn and grow and understand and be willing to develop in all kinds of ways that maybe we did. We, you know, I, I've learned things and developed in ways that 20 years ago I would have never guessed I would have. And so that principle, I think, has stayed with me. It allows us to always be reinvent ourselves and have that kind of creative, forward-looking position and relationship to life that allows us to be real, you know, real leaders and real examples. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader has integrity. I think integrity is so important. There's so many dimensions of integrity, what integrity means. And sometimes it's, you know, it's a bit, it can be a bit in the eye of of the beholder when we start trying to define integrity because there's so many aspects of it. But, uh, but we know when someone has real integrity, when they're trustworthy, when they're consistent, when they don't have one side and then another side of themselves, that's completely different and unpredictable. And, you know, that, that, that ability to put our faith in the leadership of someone to, to trust them. Uh, and to to appreciate and to to learn from them and to feel like they're a consistent, trustworthy person of integrity. That's just so important. If you're trying to lead people in any direction, you need that kind of uh, you need that that that's just absolutely critical. You know, from there, there's so many you could pick from. But humility, I think, is incredibly important. Uh, and by humility, I don't mean meekness or or you know or you have to be an introvert in any kind of way, shape, or form, or you lack confidence. But I mean, what, that you're willing to see the talents of other people. You're willing to raise them up. You can see your own talents and you may express your own talents with creative you know, power and confidence. But you're also willing to see the talents of other people and raise them up in the way that they need to. And I think for leaders to be more than just great figures themselves, you know, some people are incredibly creative themselves and that's great. And we're incredibly, you know, great. They can do a lot of things and they're very talented and capable. But ultimately, I think the, the heights of leadership are defined by how much we can raise other people up. So that's absolutely uh, a critical. And I think the other element, and I think this is especially true with uh, in business, but really in almost any area is, you know, leaders, leaders have a, have a purpose. They have some kind of higher purpose, higher calling sense of being, you know, mission driven. And I, and by that, I don't mean one has to have, you know, 24 seven being driven by super high ideals. I don't mean to say that, but there's some sense that they're really trying to accomplish something in the world, some sense that they're going in a direction. There's a sense of, of, you know, when, when we have a higher purpose, when we have something we really are doing in the world and it can evolve over a lifetime, it can evolve over time. That, that inspires us and it drives us and it gets people behind us and people feel that, you know, and that, that provides energy and, and context and uh, inspiration. And, and so that, that sense of purpose, that sense of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something here. I'm moving in a direction and come with me, you know, that, that feeling, that's powerful, that's important. And I think leaders, the, the, the great leaders all have that quality. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? I mean, I, I think, again, this brings back one of the principles in the book that, that is so critical. And I know for, for John Mackey at Whole Foods, this has been so much part of his life. But for all of us, it's just something we really care deeply about. And that's like, are we approaching our business and our organization and really life itself in a, in a win-win way? And that, that sense that, 
this is a, a rising tide that can lift all boats. That's the best of business, you know, when it is able to serve all its stakeholders in powerful ways, when it can serve its employees and its customers and its community in ways where it uplifts everyone, that sense of a win-win thing. This isn't win-lose. This isn't just a dog-eat-dog, you know, death match of competition. You know, <laughs> obviously we're competing. That's important. We're competing. We're creating new things. We're trying to outdo our, our, our competition. And that's fine. But fundamentally, this is a, there's a win win-win, business has the ability to create win-win solutions. And in the book, we, we add a third win, win-win on the two sides of a deal. You know, we want to, whenever we're negotiating a deal, you want to make sure that you, you're winning, but also your, your stakeholders, your customers, your suppliers are also winning. But the third win is that the communities around us are winning, that the culture itself is winning, that what we're doing is, is not just a zero-sum game. You know, it's actually... Uh, what they call a non-zero result, which means we're all winning. It's uplifting everyone. And so I think that's a question for all of us to ask ourselves. Is our life, is our business, is our organization, is the way we go about interacting with other people, interacting with people we're, we're doing business with every day, am I creating those kinds of win-win-win solutions? And I think that's just, if you ask yourself a question, it puts you in that mentality. And being in that mentality uh, it makes you think in, in more creative ways about how you do things. And I guarantee, you know, uh, w- when you do that, when you, when, you, when you act in those kinds of ways, you're going to feel a lot better about yourself. People are going to feel a lot better about you. You're going to create uh, a loyalty in all kinds of areas that, uh, that otherwise you wouldn't. So it's so important. And I think that's it's something we can all ask ourselves. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? Oh, great question. Um, I think that, uh, obviously, I think Conscious Leadership is, uh, is the book to recommend reading my book. No, I, I'm, I'm going to just go with uh, the book that Conscious Leadership is a sequel to, and that's Conscious Capitalism. And that's a great, it's a great way of thinking about business in new ways. It's very related to Conscious Leadership in some sense that our book is a sequel to that book. So I definitely think that if people are interested in these ideas, Conscious Capitalism is a great book to to read and to connect to and, and, and again, get you in that mode of thinking, you know, business, I often say business is good, but it can be great. And if we're going to make it great, then we have to be more conscious about how we think about it, how we develop ourselves and how we develop the organizations we're part of. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I'd go back to what we started with. And, and that is just, I, I think leadership is so much about, how I see my own journey, you know, how do I, do I see myself in this kind of journey of growth and development and possibility? Do I see that in the next 10 years I could become, you know, what I could be, what my organization could be, what my business could be, you know, I could be more capable, more, more, have more capacity for caring and giving and loving, have, have a, have a deeper sense of purpose, you know, do I see the, like, how do I hold the future? How do I think about the future? And so I feel like for, you know, what people can do is, is, is start to see, okay, what kind of journey am I on? Think about the journey they're on. And where do I want that journey to be in 10 years, in 20 years, in 25 years? And, you know, where do I, and, and if they start thinking about their life as this developmental unfolding journey of possibility. It opens up doors. It just makes us think in a new way about the future. And I just feel like aspiring leaders don't just, you know, go through. Obviously, we all have wrote things we do every day, right? But don't just go through the days and, and, and in, a, in a semi-conscious way. 
Take hold of your life. Be conscious about how you think about yourself, your journey, the journey of your organization, the journey of your business, and, and start, uh, start that process of learning and growing as a leader. And I guarantee you'll end up in places that will surprise you. And finally, Carter, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? <laughs> I thought about this one for a long time. You know, you had sent this one to me before, and I thought about this one for a long time. And and uh, and I every time I thought about which was better, I thought, well, I thought of some important area of the other one. So they're both absolutely critical. So I know that's a very unsatisfying answer because I know there's a popular saying out there, it's better to ask. Why not? Which is sort of the innovative, creative mind. Why can't we create something that's never been before? And that's a beautiful thing. That's a, you know, we have one of the principles in the book is, you know, innovate and create value. That's the source of so much of what is good about, about business, really. You know, that, that capacity, innovation, that capacity, to look out the world and say, why not? I can do this. I can create that. That entrepreneurial energy is, is critical, right? But also the ability to look at something and say, why is it this way? The ability to look at something in a new way, to ask why. You know, sometimes we get so used to looking at the world in, in, a, in a kind of a, a way where we just pass over it without thinking more deeply about it. And why helps us to think more deeply about the world around us. And that's also really important. So, so both. Sorry. We'll have to go with it then. I won't, I won't force you to answer either one, especially when people can provide good answers for both. I always appreciate that because really what it does is helps us to think better about the questions we ask ourselves. Now, we are here today to talk about your new book, Conscious Leadership, Elevating Humanity Through Business. And as you already said, it's kind of a sequel to another book. You and Steve McIntosh have joined with John Mackey, who is the author of Conscious Capitalism and the CEO of Whole Foods to write this new book. And I'd like for you to explain to listeners, and as I was saying actually before we started recording, we've talked about conscious capitalism and passing before. So voracious listeners to this podcast may already be familiar with it. But for those who aren't familiar, how does conscious leadership fit into this greater conscious capitalism movement? Could you give people an idea of kind of the the grandiosity of the movement that this book is finding itself in? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a perfect question. And I think conscious capitalism is sort of a, it's a movement in business to sort of take, to take what's, what's the heart of what's really good about business and, and elevate it so that it becomes great. I think I said that earlier, you know, business can be good, but it could be great. And conscious capitalism is an effort to make it great. And I think, and, and part of that is, you know, we've gotten caught in a kind of, kind of um, over the last in a couple decades, there's been a lot of criticism of, of business and a lot of criticism of capitalism. And some of that criticism is probably unwarranted, but there's some that's also warranted. And, you know, sometimes we get lost in the kind of short term finance oriented, make a, make a, you know, try to extract all the, the efficiency and profit out of a, out of a company. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But if it blinds us to a more, kind of long-term focused, creative, innovative type of business orientation and type of capitalism that focuses not on the long-term and also focuses not just on the, the, the managers of a, of a company or corporation or the, the shareholders of a company or corporation. They're one stakeholder in a community of stakeholders. And, and conscious capitalism says we need to take all those stakeholders seriously. And I think, you know, there's a 
there's a movement called stakeholder capitalism that's sort of very related to conscious capitalism, which says that we also need to take the relationship with the employees, the relationship with the customers, the relationship with the suppliers, the relationship with uh, the, the community that we're part of, and also the relationship with the long-term possibilities of the business. All those things are critical and serious and need to be part of our thinking, not just you know how much uh, profit we can wring out of this quarter. What about the next year and the next five years, the next 10 years? How are we thinking about the process of business? Are we building, like we said, those kind of win, it's win-win orientation? And sometimes, unfortunately, the way we, you know, we talk about in the, in the book, you know, these Darwinian metaphors get used for business, you know, that we're just, you know, we're just trying to kind of win, you know, the art of the deal. We're trying to win the deal. We're trying to kind of, you know, and beat the other guy. And, and, uh, and obviously, the competitive spirit is not a problem. That's part of business. But if it becomes all of what business is, then that, that is a problem. If it becomes all this kind of short-termism. So the, the conscious capitalism is argument that business at its heart is about this kind of mutuality, this mutual exchange, this in which we're serving all of our, the stakeholders uh, of the community. And the, the more we can make it about that, the more we can elevate that aspect of it, the more business is going to become a, 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 the, the, fre- the, the positive impact of business on the whole culture is going to, to be upgraded. And, uh, and it'd be unfortunate if, if, if the critiques of business became, you know, like there, there is, you see today, you see in the protest today, people talking anti-business, anti-capitalism. Well, uh, we need to upgrade. We do need to upgrade business. And the better we can make it, the more it will be inoculated against those kinds of criticisms that often may have a legitimate part of them, but they go too far. Now, before we get to conscious leadership, one thing, you know, there are books that shape how people think, and they are important and helpful. But what people may not realize about conscious capitalism and the entire movement around it is the amount of people who gather together to discuss these things and to begin creating systems to direct capitalism in a more positive direction. So could you share a little bit about that community and those business leaders who were involved in that process? Yeah. I mean, one of the things you see, just to say, you know, when people start businesses, they, they often don't, you know, they start, entrepreneurs start businesses because obviously people like to make money. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with making money, but that's often not what's driving people. You know, what's driving people is this, they want to create something. They want to build something. They want to, and, and, uh, you know, that's often the entrepreneurial energy. You know, they see some issue or see some idea and they want to make it real. And that's an exciting process. It's a creative process. And, uh, and so you see people like people and, and they want, they want their businesses to be an express, to contribute, you know, they want their ex- businesses to be an expression of what's helping society move forward, not what's holding it back, you know? Uh, and so we're trying, trying to give people tools for, you know, better and better tools for how to do that and how to do that in their teams and their, the people around the leaders around them. And, and so conscious capitalism is a lot, in some ways is a lot of people like that. And, and I think conscious capitalism provided an opportunity for people to realize, oh, that's what I, that's why I am. I, I, you know, they, there's a joke that they were an unconscious capitalist, but now they're a conscious capitalist. They didn't have a name for how they, you know, for how they, what they were, or how they felt about business. But when conscious capitalism came around, it kind of collected a whole network of people who wanted to engage in these ideas and wanted to talk about how 
what they were already doing, but also how the best practices, how they could do it more and learn from other people. And, and it really took off. And there's conferences and there's, you know, there's, uh, there's chapters in other countries around the world. This is, this is spread, you know, in Europe and Asia and Latin America. Uh, it's a real movement, conscious capitalism. And it's not the only one of its kind. There's some other lo- others like it. And, it. and it's already influencing the culture. You see, you know, we, we saw the Business Roundtable, which is a group of sort of august, you know, significant business leaders put out a statement about a year ago about the importance of stakeholder capitalism. Well, that's partially because you have this movement happening in culture and conscious capitalism is really the vanguard of that movement. Uh, so it's important. And I, and I think it's, uh, in, in some ways, I really think it's the future of business and it's an exciting network. And, and if people are interested in it, they can be part of it. And there's chapters around the country. It's a, it's a great network. So, Carter, I appreciate you giving us that context for people who may have heard the term but not necessarily realize what it was or how influential it was. Now, for someone who wants to do business differently, there has to usually be different leadership, and that's where conscious leadership comes in. Could you share with us about how conscious leadership takes this to the next level, especially for leaders? Yeah, just as you said, you know, in some ways, the capacity and the ability and the capability to run a business different and to think about business maybe in the way that you you wanted to but but maybe you there's there's short-term pressures in all of our lives and in business itself that maybe lead us down a different road or or we don't know exactly how to make the business what we always hoped it could be maybe we started the business and but we we, we know it can be better. We know our leaders can, can rise up more. We know, but we don't quite have the language or the tools to create the organization that we know is possible. And so uh, one of those, there's, there's many different tools, obviously, but one of those is just tools that help us think in new ways and help us act in new ways and help us think about the business through a framework that uh, empowers us to, to make the kinds of changes to become the business that we know it can be. And so, uh, so in some ways, the leadership part of this is about helping individual leaders go on that journey, you know, and, and getting us out, getting us in new frames of mind. And so the book is full of principles, but not just print, you know, high level principles for how to think in new ways, you know, some of the ones I've shared, you know, like purpose and integrity in those and talks about how we develop those. But it's not just high level principles. It's also practices that, that you can, anyone can do in their business, in their lives. There are individual practices, there are practices for your organizations. We talk about that. And we also share a whole host of kind of what we call toolkits, which are also, uh, you know, just what they say, you know, tools that help us uh, create conscious uh, businesses and also turn ourselves into more conscious leaders. And so there's a whole, whole host of toolkits throughout the book that also, so we, we are, we're hoping we're just giving people a lot of resources. Again, you know, many businesses are doing really good things in the world, uh, but, but sometimes there's a sense that they could be, their potential is not reached. So we're trying to give businesses and business leaders the tools and the principles and the ideas and the toolkits that allow them to reach that potential. As you look at the business climate, especially in the context of this book, what would you say are a few of the most important practices in your mind that leaders should be keeping at the forefront of their minds as conscious leaders? 
I'm going to bring up one I haven't brought up and talk about a little bit because I brought up some of the others. And one of the principles in the book, and it sounds simple, but there's a lot to it, is the necessity for thinking uh, long-term, for long-term thinking. And ironically, this I think is even more important in a time like this, well, let's talk about the time that we're in currently with the virus, with the coronavirus and all of the, you know, there's so many pressures on the business and there's so much to respond to day to day to day to day that we have, we have to do that. We have to respond to all of those things, but it can be easy to let our attention sort of, you know, be, get, get narrowed down into just the short term focus. And, and in times like this, and really in any time, the more we can keep our eyes also on the big picture, on the longer picture, the better it's going to be for uh, our own business in the long term and for our own organization. But it's also going to be better for business itself because the more, you know, part of what we've gotten into a little bit with business is this, you know, and partially driven by financial markets and the way they're structured. And there's some good things and, and, and bad things about that. But it does drive this kind of short termism that that has its own sort of perniciousness. And I think as we, the more we can get out of that and start thinking about the long term, uh, the more the better off business will be. And, and I'll just add that that's, this is also, we have a whole section in the book that talks about technology and forecasting and just how to think about the future, how to think about, you know, how to think about the, the longer term. And, you know, technology is changing, you know, faster and faster. It's having more and more impact. We used to think of technology as an industry in and of itself, but now technology is throughout every industry. So it's almost, almost impossible to have a business today that technological change is not impacting now or will not impact in the next five or 10 years dramatically. So how do we think about the exponential curves of technology impacting our business? How do we think about the long-term when these pressures are active? So the, the chapter really delves into that and thinks and talks about that. And, and then finally, I just think, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the, the, uh, the ups and downs of the economy over a year or two or three year period. But one of the things we also have to stand back and remember is, is over the last 150 or 200 years, you know, business has been this, you know, it's been a lot of things, but it's been this incredible force of progress for humanity. It's uplifted all of us in all kinds of, of, of ways that we don't realize often because our, our minds aren't really focused on that longer term picture. It has its problems. It's not some universal good that has no downsides. Of course, it's not that. But again, it's there's business and innovation and the creativity of the business world has been overall a force for positivity. It certainly has its downsides, but but the more we can the more we can hold this type of long term thinking in our mind, and the more we can practice all the principles I've been talking about. You know, I feel like the more we can appreciate the the fruit the positive fruits of that and and take those into the future. And then the downsides, uh, we can we can trim away. And so that ability, and I, and I feel like a lot of what's going to allow culture to evolve over the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, if we can make business a more healthy expression of what it can be and should be.
So another principle you talked about earlier that I'd like to get your perspective on is the idea of approaching business and life in general with a win-win mindset. And you even mentioned the win-win-win mindset where you're incorporating stakeholders or maybe sometimes if you're thinking in the context of life, people who may not be directly involved in a decision-making process. How do we begin to do that while maintaining that competition that you've talked about as being inherent in business? How do, you, how do you continue to work and operate at a highly competitive level while still keeping that win-win or win-win-win principle in mind? That's a great question. And I, and I want to just, I want to address one, two pieces of it. I'm going to start with what you said about the competition. I just want to be really clear about this. You know, some people have this idea that ideas like, you know, that the books like this or ideas like they're all like, kind of the soft sides of the business world. And there is some aspect of this. We talk about love and integrity and purpose and those, those aspects. But this, this does not mean that one is not competitive because at, competition is absolutely critical. In the book, I talk about, you know, at one point, the, the authors, we, all, we, all, we mentioned uh, the Beatles. You know, I always say, like, what made the Beatles one of the best rock and roll bands in history? Well, it was, it was, obvious, it was their, their unusual levels of cooperation, right? If you want to do things with other people in this world, you have to be able to cooperate at a high level, right? You have to find ways to work together and cooperate. And that's absolutely critical. So cooperation is a critical part of business. But the other piece that made it is that, you know, Paul McCartney and John Lennon were constantly trying to outdo each other, right? They were constantly, they were competing at a very high level and that drove that kind of creativity. And yeah, I'm sure it was, some of it was for their own egos, but it was more than that as well. And that's okay. You know, competition, that, that drive for creativity, that drive to be the best and maybe even be better than the other person is okay. It's just when it gets when it gets uh, unhealthy is when it's all competition when we when we forget about the cooperative side of it. So in business, that balance between the competitive and the cooperative is something to always re- always remember. We don't want to be we can't just be cooperative because we lose some of those competitive creative juices, and we can't just be competitive because we lose some of the cooperative dynamics that are so important to success. So that balance between competition and cooperation is so critical in any in any environment, really, but particularly in business, where what we have to accomplish depends so much on other people. And the, the other part is just, you know, it's it, again, it's good to remember that business is it's a non-zero-sum proposition. It's it's not just allocating the pie, it's making the pie bigger. And business at its best is doing that. It's in, in that sense, it's win-win. It's building. Uh, it's building more. It's creating more, more. It's not just allocating pieces of the pizza. It's creating, everyone's getting more, it's creating more pizza for everyone. So I think for leaders in business, and, and again, this applies to life in general, but for leaders recognizing that and so, and realizing, you know, people that, that uh, those, the, the business is fundamentally win-win that we can uh, and we can approach it like that. That it's okay to approach it like that. That we can, it, it starts to change our mindset, you know, of like, okay, how can I, uh, in, in, whether it's in a negotiation with another company or person or in the way we relate to our own, the people in the organization that we're part of, or the way we relate to the community, if we approach it with a win-win mindset, it literally kind of rewires the algorithms of our own mind to think in a more positive way about what's possible you know, we stop seeing things in a frame of, of win-lose, you know, and again, it's just, it's an easy frame to fall into. We all can fall into it at times. And so, you know, one of the practices in the book is definitely 
to are we are we falling into win lose mentality or are can how can how can this negotiation or this situation be reframed in a win win context? And John uh, Mackey in, in the book uses the example of Whole Foods being bought by Amazon, and he walks the reader through that that whole process of what happened when Whole Foods was bought by Amazon and how it was only through thinking in a win win terms win 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 terms that he was able to come up with the result he did. Uh, so it's so important. And sometimes it can happen in subtle ways. We don't realize how we're falling into a win-lose mentality until we start to, oh, we kind of break out of it and think, oh no, I can think about this in a different way. I can think about this situation, this negotiation, the future of my business, the future of the community I'm part of. It's so critical. Well, Carter, I appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing with us some of the principles of conscious leadership, as well as how conscious leadership fits into the broader conscious capitalism movement. Now, before we finish the interview today, I wanted to give you a chance to highlight anything you think would be helpful for the listeners, whether something we've already talked about today or something we haven't had a chance to discuss yet. I mean, in some ways, I almost think I'll start where I, I'll end where I started, which is I, I do think, you know, you know, conscious leadership is sort of based on the idea that that leaders, you know, great leaders, good and great leaders are not they're not born. They're sort of they're sort of made, if I can say that. And of course, there are occasionally great leaders that just are that way because of their life or because they were came out of the womb that way or because that's their experience. You know, I'm sure, you know, Lincoln was a great leader for that reason or other presidents or other great leaders of history, obviously, but most of us aren't like that. Most of us have to actually consciously take up the banner of our own capacity for leadership and really engage in that journey of leadership. And that journey is so critical to become who we can be. Uh, we aren't born that way. We aren't automatically that way. We have to develop and grow. And so I just, I, I hope that this book, more than anything, inspires people to start that journey of leadership that journey of learning and growing as an individual, as a leader, and the capacities and capabilities that make you able to contribute at a much higher level. And not only will you raise a business if you do that, but you will have an impact on all of us beyond the business world as well. So I think that that journey is something that I you know, invite everyone to start. Well, Carter, if people have connected with what you've shared today, where can they go to find more about conscious leadership as well as the many other things that you are involved with? Obviously, love for people to, to, to buy the book. You can buy the book at all the normal places. You can buy the book, Conscious Leadership. Uh, we talked about conscious capitalism, conscious capitalism. You can, you, know, you can find the Conscious Capitalism organization online. You can, if you're interested in my work, uh, carterphipps.com. And we also mentioned... Uh, a nonprofit that, I, that I'm part of, I helped co-found, is the Institute for Cultural Evolution, and that's at culturalevolution.org. Uh, so all those organizations you can follow up with. All right, Carter, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Joshua. Appreciate it. If you would like to follow up with Carter, I encourage you to check out the show notes below or at lifeasleadership.com slash 108. There you're going to find links to his social media, websites, and email. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. It's dangerous for our long-term vision to be blinded by short-term concerns. This is something that's easy to realize, but it's difficult to do, and it really helps to have someone else to help provide that perspective and to see those blind spots when we're having a hard time because we are blinded by the short term. 
The second key takeaway is this. Business has been an incredible force for progress. As Carter said in the interview, there are things that business has done poorly in the past, but the more we take the positive fruits of business, the more we take the positive fruits of creativity and innovation into the future, the better. And finally, find the balance between competition and collaboration. This is vital, especially if we want to approach the world with a win-win mentality or even that win-win-win mentality. It's good for us to have a drive to outdo each other, but Our goal should be doing this for the sake of a better world, not for the sake of defeating people or ending up on top. At the end of the day, if we are on top and we've defeated everyone else and no one else is around, that may sound like a great victory to you right now, but I can guarantee you if you're there and you're by yourself, that's not going to feel like much of a victory. Once again, if you are a Christian leader and you want to make sure that your faith is the foundation of your leadership, I encourage you to go to faithtomarketplace.com to sign up for the Faith to Marketplace Leadership Summit this September 21st through 29th. Whether I see you at the Leadership Summit or once again next week for this podcast, I look forward to seeing you then. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.